You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension comprised of knowledge, opinions, and entertainment. A journey on a virtual information highway into a wondrous land whose boundaries are more distant than the outer reaches of the Twitter sphere. Your next stop, the Trend Zone. Hello and welcome to the Trend Zone Special Super Bowl 51 edition. Dave here with Casey. Each week at the Football Radio Show, we give you our expert insight, analysis, and opinions of the top trending stories in the NFL. That would be the Super Bowl. Casey, are you ready? You got that right, my friend. (laughs) Our next stop, the Trend Zone. Casey, obviously in today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, one of the most amazing Super Bowls ever, Super Bowl 51. Obviously, the first overtime Super Bowl ever, the biggest comeback in a Super Bowl ever, and the seventh Super Bowl appearance for Tom Brady, fifth victory for Belichick and Brady. Dude, unbelievable, man. Yeah, I'm still trying to just get it together after this. I just keep (laughs) thinking, like, what Falcon fan must be going through all week, dude, still lamenting that loss, still shocked and in disbelief, dude, as as I am too, man. I I mean, never seen a Super Bowl this crazy, man, and the the highs and lows of this thing, man. It couldn't have started out any better for the Falcons, and obviously no points either way in the first quarter that might – lean towards the Patriots, but right. in the second quarter, dude, they just caught fire, man, and that defense for the Falcons was making plays. They were smashing Tom Brady and helped build a nice lead, got two turnovers, got 14 points off of those turnovers, and man, you're sitting at 21-3 at halftime, brother. You're feeling good about yourself, dude. No doubt about it, dude. I mean, even early on, you could see the Falcons' offense was getting big plays. They were moving the ball on that Patriots defense. And like you mentioned it, creating the turnovers on the other side of the football, getting after Tom Brady, and really you know, setting the tone for this game, dude. I mean, it was very exciting for, uh, for Falcons fans, obviously. Certainly the second quarter, the way things unfolded. Yeah, and then, you know, the Patriots made the adjustments and got mm-hmm. this thing going, not necessarily in the second or third quarter late, but the, the Falcons never adjusted to how the game was playing out. You know, you want to stay true to yourself, but they didn't adjust and hit the situational football, dude. On the day, only 18 carries when they were getting almost six yards a clip. And, you know, late in this thing, especially after that sick Julio Jones catch, Run it three straight times. It doesn't matter if you get any yards. You're sitting there in field goal range. I get trying to be aggressive, but you got to realize what point of the game you're at, dude. Mm-hmm. We talked about it. 12-0 and 0 when you score 30 points, 1-5 when you don't, dude. I'm no math wizard, <laughs> but... 28 plus 3, I think it's 31. Yep. Yeah, and they were certainly in position late in that ball game with an eight-point lead, Casey, to obviously just kick that field goal. They could have hammered the ball in there, forced the Patriots to call timeouts, or been able to grind some clock, some really important clock off of, uh, of the game clock there and put up that three, which was pretty much a money kick when you're at the 22. Even if you lose a couple more yards, you still got a very makeable field goal. And then an 11-point game, you're handing the ball back to Tom Brady, and he has got to work more than the miracle that the Patriots really were able to work in this thing, dude. And late in the game, and, and with a substantial lead, really looking to just kind of finish the game, it didn't seem like the Falcons knew how uh, to finish in the sense that they were still attacking. I like that. You don't want your team to, to relax and just c- play conservatively, but they weren't working the clock, dude. Many times as I looked back at the game, I saw them snapping the ball with 10, 11, 12 seconds left on the play clock. 
really valuable seconds that they they saved for Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yeah, they set up that miracle comeback. They just, you know, they really played into what the Patriots wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you got to give it up to the Patriots, dude. They didn't quit, man. When this thing was 28-3, to 3, bro, it looked like it was done. But they didn't think they were done. They right. kept fighting. And, you know, Tom Brady, dude, this guy is a sick freak, bro. No question, dude. I mean, unbelievable. And you're right. This is a Patriots team that you basically know so many things that, that hold true. But one of them is they don't beat themselves. But it goes further than that, man. It's about them. They they waited it out. They weathered the storm with this uh, onslaught that came at them with this Falcons offense. And the way the Falcons defense was playing for, the uh, you know, maybe the first two-thirds of the game, really, uh, really coming at them. And then they were able to weather that storm and wear out that Falcons defense, slow down, make the adjustments, slow down that Falcons offense, and suddenly, slowly, really slowly but surely, the momentum switched over to this Patriots squad. Yeah, you mentioned leaving all that time on the play, call, play clock, running all those plays. Patriots ran 93 plays, dude, on offense. That is way too many. And if way the too many. Falcons would have run some of that time off, like you were saying, there would have been less there. I'm really not good on third down either. The Falcons have done that in the playoffs and been so great, even mm-hmm. all season long. Only one of eight for uh, on third down in this game. Patriots were 50%. And, you know, we've seen it all year in multiple years during the Tom Brady era. This team can go chameleon on you. All right, the run game's not working. Let's right. start passing. They change it up, dude. They had six receivers with at least 50 yards receiving, man. Oh, no doubt about it, dude. And speaking of Chameleon, you know, early on in that game, LeGarrette was the primary back. He was running very hesitantly, running horizontally, not getting through the hole quickly. They said, forget about that, man. And Deion Lewis was part of it, but they really went straight to uh, more so to James White, the guy that could get the ball receiving out of the backfield. And then he ended up being a huge factor, obviously, the three touchdowns, but the 14 receptions, when they really, when they were unable to run the ball and pound it, they wanted to control the clock pounding the football, but they ended up switching that mindset over to James White receiving the football out of the backfield. That worked out great. Yeah, dude, I thought we would actually see that type of attack with these Falcons, really get those running backs involved in the mm-hmm. passing game out of the backfield. Only three receptions between Freeman and Coleman, dude, just Unbelievable, dude. In fact, that was going into this football game. That was one of my keys is that that tandem, which is perhaps the best one two tandem in the league at running back, but in particular, receiving the football out of the backfield to to not run the ball as many times as they should have, certainly in the second half. Obviously, when they had a commanding lead, I believe they only ran it five times with like a 28 to nine lead or something like that. And then not get the receivers out of the back. That's easy pickings, man. You get yeah. it's just scheme wise. You get those guys open. They are too hard to cover, man. You got to take advantage of that. Falcons look to go downfield and I commend them because the aggressiveness was was a huge factor for them this year. But situational football change your ideas a little bit. And I can't believe they didn't get more passes after the running backs. No doubt, in this high powered Falcons offense, only scored twenty one points. They got the. Right. One touchdown off the pick six, man. They've been so proficient in the uh, regular season and in the playoffs, man. you got to give that Patriots defense credit. But this Falcons defense, they were holding it together, dude. If you tell me you sack Tom Brady five times, get a pick six, and get a fumble off of Garrett Blunt, wow. I think you're in a pretty good situation to win a ball game. But Atlanta, dude, they found a way to lose. Lots of mistakes, tons that you can go back and look on. 
and uh, see that they could have done other things. But man, they are, are going to be thinking of those mistakes for a long time to come, bro. Yeah, and I mean, from the positive perspective from this Falcons group, you know, this is a pretty young team, a young coach. They did lose the offensive coordinator, uh, Kyle Han- Shanahan. He's going to be moving on to be head coach uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Screw you, Ken. <laughs> They've got a lot going on, though, man. The way that Dan Quinn has put together this defense uh, that reminds you of the Seahawks defense that was so good uh, winning those, uh, you know, winning that Super Bowl and going to two. Uh, you can expect uh, with a quality quarterback like um, Matt Ryan in his prime, really, that this team is poised to be a contender, if not a, su- a regular Super Bowl attender, uh, you know, in the future. They will be in the mix next year. So that's a positive from the Falcons' perspective. But, dude, Oh my! I can't. I mean, if I if I was a hardcore Falcons fan, I don't know how or a player or a coach. I don't know how you get through this week, man. I just, it's yeah. oh, well, well you, you know, let slip 15, away. The fifteen to one Carolina Panthers thought they would be right back too, and uh, they really struggled. It's going to take true. even more effort this year to get past that, dude. So true. It's either going to break them or it's going to fuel them. But right. uh, oh, no doubt, man, and they right. lose. They, they lose the it. coordinator, and they had it. I'll tell you though, I, I got to respect the way uh, Matty Ice uh, and you know uh, who's the center, the the uh, the veteran Mac. center, Mac. I'll tell you the way they handled themselves in the press conference. Cam Newton, tune in, check it out. That's what a pro does when he comes up a little short, and everybody wants to win. We every single guy wants to win as bad as every other guy does, and there you're that close. You can taste it, um, and to handle it like a you know a pro, like a mature. Uh, oh man, the disappointment doesn't get any greater, but it's highly respectable to see how these guys handle themselves in the press conferences afterwards. Yeah, dude, and how stoked was Brady uh, getting this thing, taking the trophy from the commission. <laughs> dude, Brady's got like every single postseason record now. Yeah. Five Super Bowls. The only thing he doesn't have is a, a game worn jersey from Super Bowl 51, <laughs> but he's going to get right. by. <laughs> Good thing for us, Dave, is even though the Super Bowl just happened and it's over. It's not over for long, bro. <laughs> That's right. The NFL has done a, a remarkable job of spreading out the NFL calendar for us, Casey. And that brings us to our teaser section of the show. We're looking at to the NFL Combine. Less than a month after the Super Bowl, these dudes, uh, these college hopefuls, will be running around in Indianapolis and showing off what they can do and all the drills and getting it done, dude. And, and it's going to be exciting to see all these guys out there and the beginning of the draft process. Yeah, I always tell the old lady I'll get to the honeydews, uh, you know, at the end of the season. Oh, sorry, Combine's already here, baby. I don't know what I'm supposed <laughs> to do. But, yeah, the Combine is fun. Um, it's a great chance for guys that are on the fringe to get up there in the spotlight. And... Guys like Deshaun Watson, baby, to get some of that cash. He says he's going to throw at the combine that, uh, coming up later in the month. I hope that he does, man. He was so fun to watch in college. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how these teams start lining up to look at those top quarterbacks yeah. moving forward. So um, it's definitely a way to uh, make some cash for yourself moving forward. So it's a lot of fun to watch, and it gives us that little tasty nug. No doubt about it, dude. And and obviously, there's going to be some guys that, that stand out there and that really can make some money for themselves uh, and impress some teams, not only on the field, but there's the, the physicals and the interviews and how they handle yeah. themselves that whole week. Uh, are they ready to be pros, you know? Yeah, and I want to tell the guys out there right now, don't smoke weed between now <laughs> and the combine. 
Just don't, wait. Yeah, don't go score a sack uh, during the process. <laughs> yeah, get your sacks in between the white lines. Not off the field. Come on, dude. It's not that long. But you know what comes up right after that, brother? March 9th is the new league year begins, and you know what that means? Free agency, baby. And I'm looking at my chops at some of the names that are out there, dude. Dude, I mean, it's nuts. Now, a lot of these guys, these teams cannot let go. You know, they have to retain these players, dude. I mean, starting at the top of this, Le'Veon Bell. There's absolutely no way this guy actually hits the free agent market. He's the number one free agent right now. This guy, amazing. But, I mean, the, the list of free agents, the premier names on this thing is amazing. I mean, and it's deep. There's like 100, 100, 200 guys or whatever. But Eric Berry for the Chiefs, Kirk Cousins for the Redskins, dude. Uh, K1 Short for the Panthers. I mean, it's one after another. Alshon Jeffrey for the Bears. Does he want to stick around and find out who the new quarterback is there? Or would he write, maybe uh, find another guy that uh, could throw him some passes, dude? Uh, my guy, Melvin Ingram for the Chargers. I don't know. We'll see. How how uh, how he does there, Calais you mean Campbell? The L.A. Chargers. <laughs> That's right. My my uh, my L.A. Chargers here are L.A. Chargers, I should say, Casey. But I mean, ripping through this list: Dante Hightower, Stephon Gilmore, Dante Poe, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, Jamie Collins signed a recently signed a deal, right? Terrell Pryor, uh, Nick Perry, your guy Barry Church of the Cowboys, Casey. I mean, this is a a group of players, man. You know, if you have the 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 cap space to go do it, and you can find the the right guy that fits your scheme for the right price, man. This this free agent group has got some really talented guys. Do you know, how much do they want? And how, you know, where do they want to go? What are their you know, what are their thoughts moving forward? And can you get them into your scheme and stuff? You know. Yeah, dude. Speaking of those Chargers, now they're in LA. A little more um, opportunities for off the field stuff that might be intriguing to get a. Couple, couple of free, free agents, agents there, yep. and uh, you know, with the success the Cowboys had, they could add some guys there. Now, you know, once you're doing well, maybe guys come in for a little less money, be part of something good going on. But uh, you still got to get a, get that money while you can, baby, because it doesn't last for long. So. No doubt, it's a short earning career. You don't, you can't blame the guys for going to chase the money, but you also want to. These guys find the right spot. You can you can find the right spot. A little less money, maybe the right spot for you uh, to become the best player you can be, dude. But um, speaking you know, of... Dave, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, what happens if you don't want to spend all that money on free agents? Yeah, you want to build a different way? Yeah, if you, if you don't get the free agent uh, gem that you were seeking, Casey, there's always the good old-fashioned way, getting them for yourself, drafting them, the NFL college draft, man. You get these guys out of the draft, then they're cheap. You don't have to break the bank for these guys. The new rookie salary cap, is an awesome thing for NFL teams. They get these players in, and they get to have the talented players for a handful of years, and and either decide, you know, decide where they're going to go. Are we going to retain this guy? What's going to happen? But man, that's the way to really, really build your team. Yeah, dude. And the NFL has done such a great job turning this into such a big event in New York for so long. <clears throat> we saw it move to Chicago. It's going to be in Philly this year, dude. You know, there's going to be some rabid fans there this thing is going to be a lot of fun to watch and then you just get so stoked about the guys that you pick up and you got those Woo! rookie mini camps just yeah. a couple weeks after that dude oh dude then that's when it really feels like when those little mini camps come and then there's a little drought there but then the season with the actual camps is starting and the nfl does a great job spreading out this calendar but 
You know, this draft is going to be a boatload of fun, dude. There's a ton of teams at the top that need a quarterback. Will they go high with a quarterback? At this point, all oh, the quarterbacks are second round or late first round talent. But we know what happens, Casey, when you're a top team, you're in position, you know you don't have you hope you won't be there next year in position to pick really high and get a quarterback. There's some interesting quarterbacks in this draft, very appealing guys. How will they do in the pre-draft process to uh, to catch the attention of these teams? Will they rise up the board like they always seem to do? And then will we get teams reaching for quarterbacks, dude? And there's a handful of fun quarterbacks coming out. Yeah, dude, you can't fall too much in love because you're going to see a mock draft for sure that has the one dude that you want more than anybody else fall into your team, and you're, like, so <laughs> stoked, and then that guy ends up going in, like, the top five picks. <laughs> They're never there. But also this year, dude, we're getting the uh, Spring Developmental League. Not a ton of info on this yet, but right. we've been clamoring this for ages. This is going to do nothing but help the league. I'll watch every bit of it. I don't care who's there. It's yeah. Spring Football. We need this for the league. We need to develop linemen and definitely quarterbacks, man. This is going to be a win. No doubt about it, dude. Quarterbacks and offensive linemen in particular, uh, referees, coaches, this is an opportunity for uh, development on a lot of different levels and even commentators, um, play-by-play guys. Uh, four teams uh, and six games is a sort of the, the general idea here. There's other leagues that are also out there competing against this. Conceivably, the USFL, the, the name USFL has been purchased and now they have been for a handful of years trying to plan their uh, their reentry into uh, you know spring league football. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I I I for one am a huge believer in this. I loved yeah. NFL Europe. I thought that this year, Casey Kurt Warner makes the pro the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's the first guy that played in the NFL Europe or World League of American Football to ever make the Hall of Fame, but there's a lot of quality football players that were developed over there and that had very prosperous NFL careers. And like you said, there's just aren't enough good quarterbacks. Flat, plain and simple. This is an yeah. opportunity for these to get these guys to get two, three, four hundred snaps out there live time, reading defenses. Um, it's a huge opportunity and I hope that this and that hope that this happens this league. Because this that will really stoke me out. Oh, heck yeah, bro. So much Serve goodness. me up some football, baby. So much goodness right around the corner. You know, the only good thing about being post-Super Bowl is we're all undefeated again, baby. I'm right <laughs> in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> I like the sound of that, dude. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, zero and zero. We are all hitting the reset button. Congratulations to the New England Patriots once again. Impressive, dude. So impressive. Absolutely phenomenal. But uh, just real quick and, out to the people. Yeah. Got one no, more I was thing, just going to say, man, it's going to be okay, Falcon fan. You're going to recover. The sun will shine again, and you'll be out there playing football. You let one get away, though, bro. I know that it stings. No doubt about it. Okay, people out there, thanks for listening. Uh, check us out on YouTube for the videos. We're on Facebook. We've got the Twitter thing going on, iTunes, Stitcher, and, of course, footballradioshow.com. This is the football radio show. That is going to do it for this episode of The Trend Zone. He's Casey. I'm Dave. We are out of here. Thank you.